Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today, you're in for a real treat. Brian will be interviewing Nick Hardwick, former NFL player who lost 100 pounds in just five months. He'll share the secrets to how he accomplished this radical change and also maintain the healthy lifestyle. Do remember that any weight loss or exercise program may not be suitable for everyone, so please consult your doctor or healthcare professional as appropriate for your specific condition. In the meantime, let's listen in to your coach, Brian Buffini, for this fantastic interview. Well, top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. I have a special program for you today, a special guest with a special man. We've had a chance to meet, connect, become friends. I used to sit in the stands and watch him as a long-suffering San Diego Charger fan. Nick Hardwick was the center for 11 years for the San Diego Chargers. He started 146 games for the franchise over a 10-year period of time, made the Pro Bowl, And upon retirement, you know, a lot of guys in the NFL who are linemen, they either get big and really struggle or they work hard at trying to rebalance their life. Nick really has done this in a way almost no one else has. Nick dedicated himself to rebooting his life, rebooting his body, and lost nearly 100 pounds in five months and developed a system for himself that turns out has helped a lot of people. Physical transformation has allowed him to reclaim his health, his life, and his passion. And now Nick hosts the Finding Center podcast, and he has a brand new program called Lose Like Alignment. And I thought this would be a great start to our year. Many people talking about lockdowns and the quarantine 15 that many people are struggling with. And boy, if alignment in the NFL can lose 100 pounds, maybe you can lose your quarantine 15. So I'm very excited. Nick Hardwick, welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Delighted to have you. Brian, thank you so much for having me, for all the advice that you've given me. And in retrospect, I apologize for any of the suffering that you may have faced as a Chargers football fan. But I do want to say you're also welcome for the fourth most wins in a 10-year span that some of the teams that I was a part of was able to provide the city. And it was pretty awesome. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, it's funny. Our producer, Danny Iverson, sitting on the other side of the studio here, and we were just talking about it because Sundays at the Buffini family were either everybody's wearing Charger gear, huge buffet. I get six kids, but they'd all have their friends. And then at least three times a year, we'd go to a game. And then once a year, I'd get a box. And most of these kids in the neighborhood never been to a box in their life, you know? And they always knew... Nick Hardwick, because they always called you the Hulk. They could see the green arms out there and they could always identify it. From a sporting standpoint, those were the highlights. Uh, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson and Philip Rivers and Drew Brees, boy. And then, you know, we're here now in San Diego without a football team. So it's even more nostalgic. So I never thought we'd be doing podcasts together on weight loss programs, but here we are. You no know? kidding. Yeah, no kidding. And those were some wonderful teams. It's great men that you just brought up their names. And it's just yeah. what an honor to be associated with those guys. Yeah, well, before we kind of dive in, we have a highly relational, highly educated, a real bunch of doers who listen to this. We have mindsets, motivation, and the methodologies of success. They buy books, they do programs, they get in our coaching programs. They're listeners who are doers, but they love to know who they're listening to. And so before we take a deep dive into every aspect of Lose Like Alignment, let's go back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up? What was like growing up in the Hardwick family? What did that look like and where were you? Yeah, so I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm the youngest of three siblings. I have a half-sister who's 18 years older than me, and I have a brother who I fought probably every day of my life until we were about 13 or 14 years old. He's 15 months older than me, Matt, and uh, I have a lot of thinking, Matt, to do. For one, clearing the way for me, but two, for making me tough and making me resilient and probably accelerating my uh, physical growth more than anything. And so I grew up in Indianapolis, went to high school. I was a, it's funny, I ended up an NFL football player because I loved football as a kid. I played third through ninth grade, but I was small. I was the youngest one in my class. I was 
by a year, all of my friends were one year older than me. I begged my parents at an early age to enroll me in school because I didn't want to go to daycare and I, I was ready to get going and I wanted to be right behind my brother and I was just chomping at the bit all the time. So they started me early, but then that kind of caught up with me athletically when we started competing with our school and not by age group. And so my freshman year of high school, I was five foot four, 125 pounds and I think the coaches honestly were afraid to put me out there thinking that I was probably going to get destroyed. And so I blacked that memory out of my bank. I remember showing up to training camp. I know I didn't quit the season. I couldn't recall a single memory from my freshman year of high school football. And I immediately shifted directions to something that didn't require any there was no size requirements. It was wrestling because you competed per weight class. And so I was, a, I focused all of my attention, all of my efforts onto wrestling. And my dad took me down to the high school state championships my freshman year. And it was at Market Square Arenas where the Indiana Pacers oh, yeah. used to play. And, and I remember I was just so in rapture. There was one mat in the middle of the arena for the state finals. And there was a spotlight on that mat and they would bring guys out from opposing ends and, and they would say from the wildcats, of Lawrence North high school. And I just envisioned my name getting called over the loudspeaker. And I was like, that one day is going to be me. And I directed everything I had into that. And I really committed. And turns out my senior year, I went 48 and three and I finished second. Wow. The Indiana state wrestling finals. But they and called out went, your name. They called out they, your name and announced you, though. They did call out my name. See, you and reached the goal. The, you, your goal was to get there and have your name <laughs> announced. So you reached the goal. You, you just had to recalibrate one more. I needed to re-goal to not just have my name called. That's exactly right, Brian. Jeez, I set my, I set my goal way too low. So by the time I was already there, I was oh, hey, arrival syndrome, I guess. Yeah, and that so, was awesome. So I graduate high school and I end up, I was going to Purdue University, which was just up the road. I had an offer to go to Rutgers to wrestle. I had never been to New Jersey, didn't know anything about it. And so I just said, I'll just follow my best friend up to Purdue. And my, the most successful person in my family to that point that I thought anyhow was my dad's cousin, Joe, who flew F-16s for the Air Force. And I thought, well, that's a path to success. I'll do what Joe did because everyone seems to really revere Joe. And so... I'll be a fighter pilot, but I'm not going to go to the Air Force. I'm going to go to the Navy because that's Top Gun era and sure. kind of around that time. So Tom Cruise, I, Tom Cruise. So <laughs> By the way, the, which is based in San Diego. So you were destined to get here anyway. <laughs> exactly right. And, you know, I've had a meal at Kansas City barbecue and did the whole gig. So that um, that was my plan was to follow my second cousin, Joe, and be a fighter pilot. And I get to Purdue and I enrolled in ROTC. I kind of walked onto the program, didn't have a scholarship. I earned one my second semester at Purdue. They liked how I worked. And in, in football? No, that was an ROTC. Oh, so, sorry. Okay. So to, so to be a Navy officer and uh -huh. with part of that scholarship offer, they sent me off to the nearest base and they said, okay, you've got to go do a real physical now. And so I did a physical and I wanted to be a fighter pilot and I failed my color vision test. And they said, we're sorry, you can't be a fighter pilot. And I was crushed for like two weeks. My dreams had just been crushed in front of me. And I said, all right, what's the next awesome thing I could do? Well, I'll join the Marine Corps, which was attached to the Navy. And I'll be an infantry officer because that's pretty hardcore and I'm pretty hardcore dude. And so I decided to do that. And we were at Purdue in the era of Drew Brees, and it was like Brees mania. Purdue was competing for the Big Ten Championship for the first time since like 1967. And my friend came up to me with the paper, and he was in our OTC too. As Frank Avino is the kid's name. He's a big, chunky kid from Chicago, south side of Chicago. And he comes up with a student paper at the time, and he goes, Nick, in the classified ads, it said, Purdue walk-on tryouts, call Blaine Bennett at this number. And so he called and he's like, you want me to find out more information? Sure. He found out more information. He goes, you want to do it with me? And I was like, sure. We got permission from our major in the Marine Corps, right? Who was the commanding officer at the time? He said, yeah, you guys can miss the morning workouts and you can go train for this. And he probably thought, well, I'm never going to make it. But there was, I mean, Purdue ended up winning the Big Ten Championship. 
I went to the Rose Bowl as a fan that year to watch the guys. They ended up losing wow. to University of Washington 34-24. So that was my first experience on the West Coast in LA. Watched them lose. And then I walked onto the team about a couple of weeks after that. And there was 105 guys who had tried out. And I might wow. remember, I didn't play high school football. So I was telling lies. So you, you're from the ninth grade to what? Is this your sophomore year in college? Sophomore year of college. My <laughs> That's kind of a span. Fourth semester, my sophomore year. And I decided to walk on. And even my parents at the time, my dad was, he's a tough guy. And he goes, Nick, this is real football. This is Big Ten football. Like you can go out there and get hurt. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, dad. I know. That's fine. And so I just, I just kind of put that aside and kept moving forward. And I ended up being one of five out of 105 boys who showed up to try out for the football team that year that made it. And then six months later, I was the last man standing. Everybody else from my walk-on class had fallen off. And three years later, I'm getting drafted with the 66 pick of the in the wow. third round of the 2004 NFL draft. And 11 years after that, I'm retiring. And here we are. Here's the thing. Who would believe, right? I mean, if it was in a movie, you'd be like, come on, that's too kitschy. This is not the Disney channel. Let me ask you this. Obviously, you're young. Right. You were fit. You're ambitious. You wanted to succeed. But what is it that drove you? What is it that drove you? Because there was 105 guys. I have people in my life like this who made it out of a big group into a very small selection. What was it that drove you to be the one guy standing out of 105? So initially, I think what even drove me to attempt to walk onto the football team was I was in the stands and I was with all the other students and I was cheering men on. And I thought, why don't I try to be one of those men that gets cheered on? Why do I want to celebrate somebody else when I could be the one that's being celebrated? I want to be at, I want to be in the arena. I want to be the one wearing at least in my head, I was like, at least I'll get to wear the costume and act like a football player and get a train in a better weight room and maybe get better food. And I'll get the cool sweatpants that they wear around school. And then I ended up making the team and working my tail off. And I just kept elevating my dreams. You know, you said go one step further. So for me, it was where the uniforms stand on the sidelines. When I was on the sidelines, I said, okay, maybe I can crack this special teams lineup somewhere. Like they have to be able to use my body somehow and I'll let them do it. I just want to get on the field. And then when I realized that I actually had some skill, I was like, okay, now I'm going to play. How do I start? And then when it went from starter to now let's go to all big 10. And then when I realized going against better and better competition, that I actually had a knack for this, that it was very natural for me to block and pass protect things that are very technical and difficult. But from my wrestling background, they were very manageable for me and just felt like instantly I knew I was in the right arena. And so I just kept elevating my dreams. And by, I get drafted into the NFL and I set a goal for myself. When did you start thinking you could be in the NFL? It was... Honestly, it was the bowl game after the first year that I started. So I started at left guard. It was my fourth year then in school. So I started as a defensive tackle after I had to put on a ton of weight because I walked on at 230. I ended up getting up to about 285. They put me at defensive tackle. Then they moved me my fourth year the second day of training camp to guard. And I said, no, 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 I'm getting ready to play a defensive tackle. And they said, Nick, you don't understand you're going to start tomorrow at left guard. And I said, well, I said, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm, I couldn't tell you what a play call is. I don't know what left from right is. And they said, that's all right. You got two seniors next to you. They'll tell you everything to do on every play. You just listen to them and do what they tell you to. And you're going to be fine. That was great until the center went down in the last game of the regular season. And the next day the coach came to me and he goes, Hey, Nick, you're going to play center in the bowl game. And I thought, who, who was the bowl game against? It was against the University of Washington, which is kind of ironic because that's how I kind of fell in love was going out to the Rose Bowl and watching Purdue play them and ended up they had a really good defensive tackle named Tank Johnson, who ended up getting drafted, I think, in the third round of the Chicago Bears. And we were going up against him. Well, I had two weeks to get ready. I had never snapped a ball in my life. I had never made a call in my life. I never made a call and then snapped a ball and then blocked a guy in my life, right? So I had two weeks to really hone this skill in. 
And that game, I performed fabulously. We ended up winning. It was the Sun Bowl in El Paso at the time. And I knew right then after Block and Tank, who was kind of on the All-American watch list, I was like, I'm going to be a really good player and I'm going to make it to the NFL. And then I started getting calls from agents and I was just on that path. It was the right position at the right time for me. Well, let me just back up a second here because this is where the power is. And this is what I see in today in kind of coaching you up a little bit in your current business endeavors. You saw a goal where you saw a picture. Here's Market Square Arena. Here's a mat in the middle of the arena. Here's all this crowd. Here's the announcer. I'm going to be there one day. I'm going to do that one day. You got the vision and then you worked your butt off to get there. You go to the Rose Bowl as a spectator, not having played football, organized football for six years. You're sitting on the sideline and you're watching this thing and it's a vision. It's a picture of where you want to be. And you put yourself out there and you did the things that are hard to do. And I had a son who was a walk-on who became a starter. That journey is romanticized. It's a brutal journey. And here you are. Did you end up playing with Breeze? I did, yes. You know, you talk about him. Like, you ended up going from there to the next step to the next step. And each step, you know, what you just described was an extremely powerful matrix of interim goal setting. I'm going to get to walk on. I'm going to wear the uniform. I'm going to make it to special teams. I'm going to try to play. I'm going to continue on. Opportunities grew in a way you weren't prepared. And this is the way life is. People want, okay, it's like it's all going to be this linear path. I mean, we've coached tens of thousands of people. I've helped so many business people and business women, and it's never quite exactly the way people think. And now here it is. So many people, I'm going to be in the NFL. Well, no, I'm going to get on the sideline first. And then I got to get on the team. And then I'm going to, I'm a defensive player. No, they want me to play offense. You know what? A lot of kids would have said no. A lot of kids did say no. But you were like, hey, you know, I'm, what else have I got to lose? I'm going to, well, I'll try. I'll put myself out there. And next thing you know, here's the path. Here's the path. Here's the path. And then you go up against the competition. And Tank Johnson was a fantastic football player. And the next thing you know, here's Nick Hardwick with two weeks practice is holding his own against the third round draft choice. And now belief grows and confidence grows and so on and so forth. That formula right there, the essence of your story, I believe is the stuff that is most transferable. I'm sitting in here in my office. I got pictures of Magic Johnson. Magic went to become a coach. And I love Magic Johnson. Brilliant guy. He, he lasted 17 days as a Lakers coach because he couldn't communicate what you just communicated. And that power, that's what's so transferable to all the people listening here right this minute. And we're going to talk about weight loss here in a minute, which for many people have been stuck in one arena and stuck in one way for so many years. I know this struggle myself, and maybe we can take a different look at it. Maybe we can help them set, okay, maybe I can get on the sideline. Maybe I can get on the field. Maybe I've been trying to be defensive about my eating or my habits, and now I, I need to go and be offensive about it. And each step along the way, and now here you are. You were the center for two guys, Philip Rivers and Drew Brees, that are going to the Hall of Fame. You blocked for LaDainian Tomlinson, who's in the Hall of Fame. And all roads went through Nick Hardwick to make that. And the kid who didn't play football for six years, who just wanted to get the costume on. And the dynamic for me is, because as a son of a house painter who came to America with 92 bucks in his wallet, people are always looking for the magic. And the magic is far more ordinary than people think. It's far more sequential than people think. And you just demonstrated with your story the very power of what that I've seen is the most common dynamic of success of all times. And I think as you look at this next endeavor you're getting into, it's the exact same thing. What's the picture? What's the vision and where you want to go? I totally agree. That vision to be in that picture, it all comes back to the dream, doesn't it? It's, it's all getting that initial dream in your head of what it's going to be like or putting yourself in that situation where you can feel it in your body. And I could feel it when I was go to sleep at night and I wanted to be a high school state champion and I wanted to get my name called out under the spotlight and have 18,000 people in Indianapolis go, man, that Hardwick kid, he's one tough, he's one tough wrestler. And he, man, he has worked, he has put himself in the right position and look at him, we're going to cheer for him. Right. And then it went to college and I didn't have really a dream other than being a fighter pilot. And they said no. And so I shifted that dream. And when I, when I shifted and when my possibilities became open, well, just so happened that my friend asked me, and it's not coincidence that he asked me. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you get this vision in your head of, I can, I can be down there. Why can't I be down there? I'm 230 pounds. I'm looking at their sizes on the internet. I'm about the same. I can make this happen. Why not? Why not me? And so you get this dream and then the dream grows and it grows and it grows. Then I get to the NFL and I go, initially my goal was 
I want to be a pro bowler. By year three, I want to be a pro bowl center in the NFL. And lo and behold, I was a pro bowl center in the NFL year three. Then my next goal, my next dream was I want to be an NFL Hall of Famer. I ended up getting injured two times after I made the Pro Bowl. And you kind of get, once you're out of line, you're out of the rotation and somebody else kind of takes the seat and has a throne. And so that dream was crushed. And it's interesting, like as we're talking through this right now, and I'm thinking about dreams, I think after that Hall of Fame kind of dream left me, I haven't, I haven't had a great dream really other than initially getting the weight off. And then recently after coming to your office and talking about the lose like alignment program, this is the, the biggest dream that I've had since initially getting in the NFL. And it's so invigorating. I mean, it is so motivating and, and empowering to just get out of bed, wake up at 4.30. Like I'm never tired anymore because I can't be because I'm on a mission chasing this new dream and it's a blast. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your new dream. And we're going to backtrack into the program because that's where we're going to feel because people are like, hey, man, I put on a bunch of weight over the holidays. Can you get <laughs> yeah. to the lose to the lineman part? But I just think what we're talking about here, to me, it's gold. And people listening, they know it's gold because they're trying to figure out this mysterious process that's been right. sold as a secret, that's been sold as mystery. And all of a sudden, here it is. And oh, by the way, that's sold as, as not having disappointment, mm-hmm. right? It's, that's how it's sold. You know, you lost the state championship. You were turned down for not being able to be a fighter pilot. It's been one turned down dream after another. You were going to be a defensive lineman. Nope, 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 nope. And now here you are. And it may well be. It may well be the way I've seen it in life. If you had made the Hall of Fame, and definitely your skills were worthy of it, and I know you start getting banged up, you may not have pursued this next dream. And, I, and that's why I know you're on your path, and I believe this dream is going to come to pass the same way as all these others have because you've pursued it that way. So let's talk a little bit about it, what your dream is now in regards to lose like alignment and what you want to give to people. So when I initially lost the weight, it was a goal of mine because I had coaches in the NFL in my 11 years that all said the same thing. They go, when you're done, you're either going to go one way or another. You're either going to get big and you're going to be 350, 400 pounds, or you're going to get small. And I knew right then, because I had been a 171-pound wrestler in high school who could climb 30-foot ropes up to the roof of the gym with no feet on the line and just do unbelievable things. I could run distances. I could go forever. And I knew what it was like to have a body that performed the way that I wanted it to. And I also knew what I felt like at 295 pounds, playing weight, 308 pounds at my highest I knew, and I had had the the numbers, the blood report numbers that I had been taking over the last five years of my NFL career because I wasn't feeling great. I just knew how my body was starting to handle all of this weight and all this stress that I was put on it. And I thought, there's only one way that I'm going and it's down. I'm losing this weight and I'm getting it off immediately. So when I got put on injured reserve as the last year of my contract, my 11th season, I had a probably the two or three hundredth stinger in my neck that I'd had in my career. And it was just getting to a point where it was concerning for me, for Jamie, my wife, and for the medical staff that it was going to be causing long-term damage. My fingers were lobster clawing. I, my pinky and my ring finger were sticking together. I couldn't button my shirts. I couldn't put the lid on a water bottle. I was having a hard time holding pencils and dropping those that what I could do is I could snap a ball and I could still block a guy. Now it hurt like the Dickens, but I could get it done. And every time I did, it just radiated pain down my arm. By the way, just for, for the lay person like myself, the word stinger is thrown out there in the NFL parlance. When people think of a sting, they think of a little bee or something that's you know, a pinprick or something. A stinger for those of us who've never had one, is almost a paralytic pain, isn't it? I mean, it's just... It's like you get shocked. It's almost like you're you are charged with some electric fault that just it really rocks you pretty hard. So if you could imagine the nerves coming out of the base of your skull and running through your neck to all parts of your body, the ones that come out of your neck and run through your traps and down your shoulders and to your hands, those are like cables. And every time they would get hit, it would be like somebody whopped a cable and like it was loose and it had slack in the line. Then all of a sudden it just pulled and it really resonated. Oh my goodness. 
And at times, I mean, I told you my hands lobster clawed, but my arm would go dead. I couldn't lift a gallon milk jug out of the fridge without, you know, supporting my arm. It's an eight pound weight that I couldn't do. So it's really debilitating. And I know like Stinger doesn't do it justice, but it was, it was kind of the, it was a brutal experience. And I tried every contraption you could imagine to stop these things, neck rolls, cowboy collars. I had the Naval Academy made me some sort of high tech contraption one year. Nothing worked. It was just, I got a long neck. I should probably be six, two, but I'm six, four plus, And it's just out there at the center position. You can't protect yourself. And so I got put on IR after Monday night football week one of 2014. And I immediately started losing weight. And I had had pretty good amounts of experience with both losing and gaining weight to make 171. My senior year of high school, I lost 48 pounds. That took me six months to do. I went from 218 down to 171. And I became, I was just shredded at that weight. I was about four and a half percent body fat, not really knowing what I was doing, but understanding that I had to cut my caloric consumption and I had to work out and I had to have enough will to push away from the table. And then I go to college and I show up at 195. By the time the NFL combine happened five years later, I was 295 pounds on the nose. So I gained a hundred pounds and then I had to maintain that weight gain. And so for 11 years years, and really, so all of the principles of gaining weight are exactly opposite of the principles of losing weight. And so it was just something that I intuitively knew. And so a lot of the things that I did to maintain my weight during the, during my NFL career, I was eating six, seven, 8,000 calories a day to maintain that weight. I was also lifting really heavy weights six days a week, even during the season to maintain my size. So I'd wake up in the morning, I'd have 250 calorie protein bars on the drive into work. I would work out, I'd have two 400 calorie protein shakes. I would go to breakfast after that, I would load up, I'd have a massive plate, six eggs, tons of sausage, bread, potatoes, Fruit smoothie. Sounds good so far. I'm, I'm on this program so far. This is the gain weight program. And, and so I just kept eating all day. I'd have a bag of almonds sitting on my desk at work. So I just keep stuffing calories down my face. I had protein shakes all day. In college, to gain the weight, I'd set an alarm at 2 in the morning and have a 700-calorie shake sitting on my nightstand, the alarm would go off. I'd throw it down the hatch, put it back on the nightstand, wash it in the morning, go back to sleep. So it was nonstop. It was like an eating contest every day. And it was absolutely disgusting. I mean, people at the end, I was eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's every night laying in bed. So my fridge was stocked, chock full with Ben and Jerry's, every flavor you could imagine. You could also imagine it drove my wife nuts, right? Like I'm laying in bed. I've got this spoon flipped over in my mouth. And I realized like I've got another year of this max that I'm going to be able to do this. So at the end, I'm like, I might as well start enjoying this ice cream, taking my time with a little bit. It's like laying in, <laughs> laying in bed with your wife. Who's like, that looks delicious, but you're really pissing me off. And so all of those things, like waking up early and eating, eating all day, working out incredibly hard, obviously going to practice, refueling after that. It was nonstop eating and then eating late at night. I would go to work and we'd wrap up by five and I'd come home and I'd have dinner with Jamie who'd have the meal ready to go when I got home. And then I would have another meal at seven, which was like half of, it was four servings of Greek yogurt with four tablespoons of peanut butter in there. And then at night I'd finish with a bin of Jerry's. I mean, so we're talking about three dinners in one, in one night, every night. It was just out of control. So tell me the the flip story. So okay, now you're you're on IR. You know you, you know your football days are done. Mm-hmm. You're three oh eight, and it's time to go in the other direction. What did you do? And I would imagine it was a heck of a, an adjustment because your taste buds get used to that Ben and Jerry's and <laughs> yogurt and peanut butter and you know six eggs and all the sausage. So how how'd you do that? That was quite the adjustment. And so one of the concepts is really crowding out the bad food with the good food. So when you're gaining weight, you really need calorically dense kind of, you want the nutrients, but more nutrient light foods. That's on the gain weight side of things. When you're losing weight, 
you really want high volume and low calories, which means a lot of fiber, a ton of veggies. And veggies are gold. And I, I knew it just innately at the time that veggies were going to be kind of my salvation, that I was going to have them every moment I could. I was going to fill up my belly. I was going to be full. But come to find out over the years now, well, there's a reason that they're so good for you. It's your gut microbiome feeds on the fiber that is located in the veggies. And when they feed on them, it takes about 20 minutes and they release these short chain fatty acids, which then signal to your brain that, hey, buddy, we've had enough. We're done eating. Thank you. You've given us proper nutrition. You can stop eating now. So the signaling that goes on is huge. Another thing that really happens when you eat vegetables is there's this theory that the human body will eat the same weight and volume of food every day, whether it's five pounds of peanut butter or five pounds of romaine lettuce. So you can imagine you just keep eating foods that don't have great nutrients in them, that don't have the fibers in them. And so when you're not eating plants, your body's going to continue to search for those phytonutrients, those vitamins, those minerals, until it gets what it needs and it can say, all right, we've had enough. Well, if you're eating five pounds of lettuce, you're not going to be eating many calories. You're not going to gain weight. If you're eating five pounds of McDonald's a day, you're probably going to be gaining weight. And there's another theory out there that, that I like to use when it comes to weight loss. It's called the protein leverage hypothesis. And we've got a registered dietitian at our supplement company. It's called hardwick.life. And Casey Thomas, he was the performance dietitian for UCLA basketball, and he's just fabulous. And he, he brings up the protein leverage hypothesis, which states that your body will look for food and continue wanting to eat food until it's topped off on protein, but it's really the essential amino acid leucine that it's looking for. And so when it gets that leucine, the proper amount of protein and leucine levels in the body then it will say, okay, bud, we're good for the day. So two things, the the fiber and the protein are so essential to stop eating and to end the night cravings that sabotage so many people's diets. And, you know, those, those philosophies, I innately knew them, but now I understand the science behind them and why they're so powerful. And so for me, what, what I found has always been really effective in everything that I've done is a very simple structure and a very clear structure. But having a structure and having a game plan that you're going into for the day, that to me has been fundamental. You know, we talk about Drew Brees and I got the chance to interview Drew three years ago at Chargers training camp when they were doing an inter-squad scrimmage. And this is when I was the uh, color analyst for the Chargers. So I got to be up at practice and it was awesome just getting to interview an old teammate who's turned himself into one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. And he's completely different, by the way, than he was when I was playing with him. You could see the machine that he was going to turn into, but to be around him now is a different experience. And I said, Drew, what's one thing that you can give mere mortals like myself and the people that are going to watch this? that you do every day that they can incorporate into their lives that will help them have more success. And he goes, Nick, every night before I go to bed, I have a journal on my nightstand and I sit there and I have a to-do list that I make up for the very next day. That way, when I put my head on the pillow and I wake up in the morning, I hit the ground running and I start checking boxes off on my to-do list. That to me was such a profound thing to think, this guy has a to-do list, like he doesn't know what he's doing every day. And I've incorporated that into my life. And I can't tell you how, how much faster I've had success or the, the compounding effect of just having a to-do list every day and what that does to business. And I think when it comes to diet, it's the same thing. Tomorrow, I know what I'm going to eat. I have a game plan. It's going to be very simple to execute. As long as I stick to the plan, I'll lose the weight. It's simple. The lose like alignment plan, it's really effective. And part of that is the simplicity that it has. It has simplicity and everything that's simple has had to go through complexity to get there. It's hard to get to simple. 
because people are probably sitting in the edge seat, gimme, 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 right? So a little bit of this. Tell me a typical yeah. day of eating when you decided to lose the weight. What would you have for breakfast? What would you have for lunch? How did you do it? Now, I know there's time frames and all yeah. kinds of stuff. We can get into it all, but kind of walk us through. What, what did you do? So one thing I did was I broke every meal down into 600 calories. Every single meal that I was going to eat was going to be a standard size. It was going to be 600 calories. And that to me was going to let me know this is a normal portion size. And I can very easily multiply 600 by two. I can multiply it by three. I can multiply it by four. And I know exactly what the calories that I'm going to have in a day are. If I have four of these meals in a day, that's going to give me 2,400 calories. If I have three, it's going to give me 1,800. If I have two, it's going to give me 1,200. And if I have one, it's going to give me 600. So it gives me a framework and a point of reference to work off of. Give me an example of a 600 calorie meal. A 600 calorie meal. I just had one and it'll be a cup and a half of Greek yogurt, a cup of granola, and perhaps like a tablespoon of peanut butter or, or sprinkle some mixed nuts on top. And that's going to be 600 calories. And what it's going to do is going to give you 50 grams of protein. It's going to give you 50 grams of carbohydrates, and it's going to give you 22 grams of fat. What I like is balance in my life. I don't like having to eliminate one you can't have carbs or you can't have fat. All of these things are essential for our survival. Yet as humans, we can survive on anything. We're, we're made to last, right? Like we can go through the long, cold winter months in the Arctic, not having any fruits or veggies. We can do that, but we're going to waste away very slowly. And then we better hope we make it to the springtime when we can get some fruits and veggies back in us and start getting full again and vibrant. Our brain's number one macronutrient that it wants is carbohydrates. That's what it feeds off of. And so when we deprive it of that, eventually, I think, and a lot of people do this in the ketogenic diet, they, they cut out the carbohydrates. They have a ton of success early on. And then they, their body starts craving the carbohydrate again, because it's very natural for the body to have that. It's, it's the brain's primary fuel source. It's the body's primary fuel source. You could go 50 years without having a carbohydrate and train your body to burn the fat. Yet the first carbohydrate that you put back into that body the body's going to go, yep, we'll take that one first. So when people go like the ketogenic diet, essentially you're kicking on your body's backup generator. Like mm-hmm. you've got a backup right. generator at the house that runs on diesel in case the central power shuts down. It's like, all right, fire up that old diesel system. Let's get this thing going here because we're running out of energy. When you run out of carbohydrates in your body, then it kicks into the alternate system. So give me an example of a a 600 calorie lunch meal. A 600 calorie lunch meal would be two slices of Dave's Killer 21 uh, seed and nut bread. It's absolutely fabulous. Or you could have like four pieces of Sarah Lee honey wheat bread. And I'm not going to say that one's way better or way worse than the other. Um, it just kind of is personal preference. And when it comes, here's a, here's a rule that you have to establish, Brian. It's when it comes to weight loss, the only important thing, the most important thing is you have to keep your calories that you consume less than the calories you burn. So you have to create a caloric deficit in order to be able to lose weight. And kind of the loose rule is it has to be to lose one pound, you have to create a caloric deficit of 3,500 calories. And so back to your lunch example, it'd be two pieces of wheat bread, eight ounces of turkey, and an avocado, right? Something like that. Or two pieces of bread, eight ounces of turkey, some cottage cheese on the side sprinkled with a handful of mixed nuts. I mean, that all sounds good, right? It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bad foods. You don't have, when people think of going on a diet, they're like, oh my God, I have to eat chicken and broccoli. That's all I get to have. No, it, it doesn't have to be that. In fact, you could eat McDonald's. You could eat Burger King every single meal and still lose weight. You could have Pop-Tarts. You could have Cinnamon Toast Crunch and still lose weight as long as the calories you're consuming are less than the calories you're burning. Now, there is a difference, right, between healthy foods, right. sustainable foods, and junk foods. And 
And part of the reason those foods get so demonized is because what we talked about earlier, they don't allow your body to signal that it's done eating or it's had enough nourishment. So it's going to continue to go back for more until it's topped off on the weight and the volume because it's not going to get the nutrients out of that type of food that the body really wants. So 600 cows, the goal is to eat the healthy stuff that can taste good so that you don't feel deprived on one hand. And on the other hand, you got this nice healthy balance because mm-hmm. you want to lose weight and you want to be healthy, right? Because health was actually your big focus while you were losing weight. Yes. In the time we have left, give us an overview of how the Lose Like Alignment program kind of works. Obviously, you're a very determined, all-in type of guy. And if people have heard, and you're talking about amino acids and protein leverage, and you that's who you are. You dove in at every level, and you could go here for hours. And I love that. And people are going, wow, that's kind of amazing. But kind of give us an overview of the Lose Like Alignment program, how it works. I know it's built on the 600 calories, but it's also mm-hmm. worked on a couple of other little techniques that you have. Yeah. So most importantly, what it does is it provides the structure to create the caloric deficit that is necessary to lose the weight. And so we talked about one pound is roughly 3,500 calories. I had almost a hundred pounds to lose. I had to create a caloric deficit of 350,000 calories. Now, however quickly you want to do that is up to you. It's how big that deficit that you can create is but it all is about creating the deficit. And so what we do is we give a program that goes four weeks on, two weeks off. I really believe in diet breaks where you take two weeks, you practice a real world scenario. When you're off of the diet, it gives you a chance to kind of stretch your legs, socialize a little bit more, not be so rigid within the structure, maybe experience some of the foods and drinks that you weren't having on the four week intense program. And then after two weeks of the diet break, then you go back on for 32 more days. And every day, it's a different number of meals associated with the diet. So you have four 600-calorie meals, you have three 600-calorie meals, or you have two 600-calorie meals, you have three 600-calorie meals. And then the one that everybody gets hung up on is there is a day every four days where you have one 600-calorie meal. And that throws people for a loop at first, but what ends up happening, and it's an amazing thing, and almost everybody says the same thing. They go, I was so scared of the 600 calorie meal day, that one 600 calorie meal day. But when I made it through, it was just such an empowering experience, knowing that I didn't have to be tied to the table or tethered to some fast food chain. And if there wasn't great food around, you know what? I didn't have to eat it. And so creating the structure to create the caloric deficit and giving people a plan that that you can go, when you wake up tomorrow, here's what you're going to do. And allowing them the flexibility though, within those 600 calorie meals to meet their taste preferences or their food beliefs that they can structure their own meals. And after you do this for enough time, you build the habits and these become your meals. The meals that I created when I was losing the almost hundred pounds, those are the same meals that I'm eating today. That's awesome. And so there's, there's a structure, there's the 600 calorie meals, and then it goes day by day. And there's different levels on different days. And along with that, there's recommendations on daily physical activity, which would include walking and staying busy during the day. And there's an exercise program that comes along with it that is performed at home. It's very basic. And it's a place to start, right? It just encourages more physical activity and gets you really ready for when you've lost the weight that you're going to lose, that you're ready to then start doing some of the challenges that you've wanted to do. Like when I lost the weight, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro afterwards. It's like something I never could have done at 295 pounds, right? I get, I can play with my kids. I feel healthy. I'm vibrant. And, and here's where I think people get dieting wrong a lot. I think they immediately go out and they sign up for a gym membership and they're like, well, I got to work out hard. I want to get in shape. In fact, It's really 70% nutrition, in my opinion. It's probably 20% daily activity, which is as simple as walking, right? Walking and standing have a greater effect on weight loss than working out three or four times a week. And people get that backwards. You know, my son works for Peloton. (laughs) They're like, okay, pedal your life away. But if you're hammering calories and so on and so forth, sometimes I find, because I've really increased my workouts in the last four months, when COVID really came down, I was pounding the workouts. I missed a day in 112 days. But I found that my desire to eat increased significantly. And so, as you well know, as an athlete, let's talk about a couple of things as we wrap up here. Obviously, this has worked for people other than linemen. 
you've helped a lot of people with this. I mean, you've told me story after story, which is kind of the juice for you of how many people you've helped with this who've had the trans- same transformation you've had. Yeah, it's and it's so much fun. So several years ago, I had a Naval Academy kid reach out to me who was from San Diego, who had heard my story. And he was an offensive lineman at the Academy whose football career had ended along with four or five other guys that he was with at the time, their career had ended. They were 290 pounds and they had four months about like I did to get down into Navy regulations, which meant they had to meet the height weight standard. And so they had to lose a ton of weight fast. And he writes me on Instagram. So thank goodness for Instagram. And he writes me and he says, how'd you do it? And I said, well, let's jump on a call. And this is before I had written anything down or had an ebook and had the program dialed in. And I said, well, let's jump on a call. And I jumped on a call with these guys and checked in with them weekly and gave them the plan just over the phone. And we did FaceTime and they all made it and they were all super excited. And they had lost 60, 70 pounds, some of them in four months, just with sticking with the plan. Several years kind of passed. And I had another guy, I had a a bunch of people reaching out to me on Instagram. Hey, what's the secret? And I was just kind of getting tired of writing every one of them individually and telling them the plan. I said, I should turn this into something. And I had a guy, John Zenser, write me this summer. And after I had been writing, spending a lot of time, I had met with you and I was like, you know, maybe this is something. And John said, hey, I'm 53 years old. I'm 325 pounds, former football player at the University of Pennsylvania. I got to lose weight. And what'd you do? Can you give me some advice? And I said, Hey, John, well, I'm, I'm working on something right now. It's really rough. It's just kind of a blueprint and a little outline of what I'm thinking. Can you take this and try it and see if it works for you? And I said, and just kind of, if you do take a before a picture, and then we'll just take a picture every month and, you know, keep track, just kind of keep track of, you know, your progress and how you're doing. And John said, sure. love to help. And he wrote me back the next week. Hey, seven pounds down. He wrote me back a week after that. Hey, and now I'm on a Zoom call with him and another little small cohort of people who I started with back in the summer. And John is down as of December 1st. John was, he went from 325. He started on July 11th. And December 1st, John was 240 pounds. So he was 85 pounds down. That's a life changer. I mean, you just saved the guy's life. I mean, that's the bottom line. You saved the guy's life. And that is the magic thing. You know, you and I are going to be talking a lot. We're going to do some more stuff together yeah. and people are going to hear more from you. I'm committing to do Lose Like Alignment for the next 100 days because we are all about 100 days can change your life. And awesome. in 100 days, massive things can happen. So where can we get the information? How can we get the program? Where do we start? Okay, come to the website. It's hardwick.life. It's like hardwick.com, but somebody had already taken that one. So we said hardwick.life. That's H-A-R-D-W-I-C-K.life. That's correct. You're also going to get a code. It's TBBS30, the Brian Buffini Show, TBBS30. And you're going to get 30% off site-wide. We've got pharmaceutical grade supplements and what I'm most interested in and what I'm most passionate about is the Lose Like Alignment program. That's also going to be 30%. And if people are interested in the program, every Sunday we do a Zoom call that is open to every member that's in the program that you can come on, you can ask questions, you can interact, you can hold each other accountable, you can hear stories, you can share meal ideas and tricks and tips with one another. So it's a really great community that we're building and just helping people reclaim their health. So the program's there, the ebook is there. Everything is there. And then I follow up. I'm very good at keeping in touch with people. And then what we've done also is we've created a community. And part of it is, you know, I look at a lot of fitness pros out there who have programs for people, but there's no follow-up and there's no accountability and there's no community. And I think one of the most powerful things is having people to check up on you and to hold you accountable. And to ask if you have questions. And so when that happens, people do better. They get better results. Well, I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced we're 25 years coaching people, Nick. And I I just want people to know, you know, Nick and I have become friends. I'm not involved in his business. A lot of people sometimes, I've helped a lot of people over the years and they go, Buffini must own a piece of this. So I'm going to sign up for this myself. I'm going to pay the freight like everybody else. And starting next Monday, I'm doing the 
lose like a lineman program I, for 100 days. I'm going to monitor my course. I'm going to let everybody know what I'm doing. I want you to join me on it. I think it'll be a great thing, Nick, you know, following quarantine, following COVID, following the 2020 that it's been. You know, we're in this brand new year, and I think everybody's looking for a little jolt. And, you know, I think you have a new dream. And that new dream is to help as many people enjoy the kind of transformation you've had. I mean, it's brought life back to your life as a man, as a husband, as a father. You know, I see the energy in you. I see, you know, you have a compulsion in you that's healthy and driven to help and serve people. And you're doing marvelous work. And that's why I'm so excited to give to you and to help you because your motives are so pure. Your dream is there. I will also encourage you that the same drive that has helped you achieve at every hand's turn is what will help you with this. And this is already decided. You, you are going to be on the field. You are going to be in the game with the biggest influencers in regards to health and well-being in the industry. I want to share this with you. Who you are speaks more loudly than even what you've said here today. And your story has helped so many people today. What I'm going to say, my passion is, and I know what's going on for people. You know, we coach over 25,000 people. We train another 50,000 a year. And as much as our clients are having record years in sales, people are beat up. People are down. People are frustrated. People are having a hard time. There's just so much negativity has come down in 2020. And this is a chance for a reset. And what we've covered today, and this is maybe the longest podcast we've done in three years, there's two parts to this that I find invaluable. One, the mindset and the story of success and how it's this wandering road with a series of little dreams along the way, and each one builds upon the next, builds upon the next. The openness to change. You think you're going to be on defense, you're on offense. You think you're going to be a left guard, you end up being a center. You think you're going to be this, you're going to be that. Open, open, take the opportunity. Find the dream. Get exposed to the dream. Get out of your house. Get out of the bunker. Go and see things, experience things. You went to the Rose Bowl, the dream got lit. You went to Market Square Arena, the dream got lit. And now having changed your own life, you have a dream, I know, of the next level, and it's very pure. And I believe you're going to help so many people. I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to lead an army of people on this for 100 days. And maybe we'll do a follow-up call with you. Maybe we'll get you on our Facebook Live program so that you can uh, help a bunch of people through this program. And you're an inspiring man. You have an inspiring story. And I really love the fact that you're now using what has made you successful to give back to other people in a very simple and inexpensive program I'm going to encourage everybody to go to hardwick.life. I'm going to be a customer and participate in the program myself. So thanks for being on today. You're an absolute blessing. And thanks for all the lives you transform in every single day. Brian, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you for helping me find this new dream. So thank you. And thank you for spreading the word. It's my pleasure. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So I still have the five o'clock in the morning deal because I'm at the heart. I'm a coach. I have a coaching company. We coach and train people impact and improve the lives of people. That's why we were put on the planet. And this is an example of that. So this has been a great day today. I hope this is a great start to your year. And for the next 100 days, let's do it together. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's see what we can do here. And let's see if hardwick.life can add value to our own. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. And I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing from a person who not only gave me life, but continues to give me encouragement and inspiration in my life. That's my mother, Therese. So take it away from here, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 